Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Billy is back to chat about friendships, having fun, pushing your body, and other concerns with chronic pain and chronic illness when it comes to friendship activities. It's a good session and not as heavy as some of the others. Speaking of friendship, Billy is kind enough to offer me some criticism and praise near the end about how I used to be fatphobic. Billy is kind enough to give me the out of mentioning it last so I can easily edit it out. But my personal feeling is the more we censor our mistakes from other, the more pressure we put on each other to try and appear perfect at everything. I think setting the expectations with others that we fuck up regularly and can simply just do a lot better. And that often there isn't much of a reason for why we weren't doing better to begin with. Maybe we were just being lazy humans and that's okay. Maybe it was conditioning. Maybe it was society. It doesn't really matter. What matters isn't finding a way to blame or shame people for why they didn't already know a thing. What really matters is that people are making an honest effort to try and be a little bit better today than they were yesterday. No matter how bad it is or how far you've gone, there's always a way home. So how do you find having a chronic disorder or chronic illness affects your personal relationships with friendships and stuff like that. It's just, you feel guilty a lot um, because you're kind of the thorn in the side of the fun sometimes. Um, so it's just like you, you find true friends I find because other people probably wouldn't sit around through it. Cause I, can be really flaky um i don't know how i'm going to wake up every day so when i make plans it can make things a little bit difficult Mm -hmm. but i've got a really solid core group of friends that like are just willing to adapt and do things with me that i enjoy and can do Mm -hmm. um luckily they're ones that stuck through like i i've been friends with this little group for like at least 12 years now but there's definitely been a couple people that have fallen off along the line just because some people just don't have patience um i guess in general mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if if there's a lot of modifications they have to make to maintain your friendship then obviously they're not really going to follow through but like you really get a better group of friends like you get people who really want to spend time with you and be with you and are willing to accommodate uh to your capabilities which i think is awesome um, and like, I'm, I'm a very emotionally available friend. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm there whenever they're going through things, you know, I've got I have a few friends going through some tough times and, you know, they know that they could call me at 3am or message me or whatever. And I'm going to do my best to be there immediately for them. So it, it took a long time for me to realize my value in a relationship, like, my capabilities aren't everything. I, I've got a lot to offer mentally, I guess, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of, 
builds a different type of friendship. So it's not like we're going out partying left, right, and center. I mean, I can barely drink anymore because of the pots. I get so dehydrated that I just end up sick. So I'm not really a party person these days. Barely manage a glass of wine at dinner. Um, But so it kind of changes the friendships you have. And, And it was definitely interesting through my 20s and now being 30 is that like a lot of friendship is kind of based on like the party lifestyle, etc., and just going out and doing a lot, dancing, clubbing, that kind of stuff, which all was very quickly off the table for me. Um, I used to try and go to the clubs and all that kind of stuff, but um, I just realized the toll it was taking on me, and I had to put myself first. And then when I put myself first there was still the solid group of friends, you know, messaging, checking on me, wanting to be there and help through it. So a lot of them just kind of disappeared. But Mm -hmm. I learned that like, I had so much better connection with them. Like I, I could go to them for anything. They can come to me for anything. And just because I can't go do ridiculous things doesn't mean we can't, you know, like my one friend likes to come and, we sit in the park and record like songs with my mm-hmm. ukulele and we sing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like we just find things that we can both enjoy, um, but don't rely on me being capable. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So the friendship yeah. activities you do obviously have to consider what you're able to do. Yeah. So it's like a lot of relax time, lots of watching movies and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, just, but I find that such a more powerful friendship because our, our friendship is all conversation and feelings and that kind of stuff. It's, it's you know, mm-hmm. it's just a deeper sense of friendship. I mean, there's friends and then like there's your core like group that is always there no matter what kind of thing. So what would you say for folks who are still in that phase of sort of pairing back their friendships and they don't really know how to go about doing that in like a way that's kind or that respects themselves? I think a lot of it is just learning to respect your limits and, and kind of hold hard to them, not in a rude way. Like you don't have to like, slough people off but eventually kind of starts to break everything down and see what the actual reason for the friendship is um because in your 20s you do have a lot of like dumb friends that are kind of friends but like just kind of hang out with them Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um uh like i think a lot of it for me was like as i was learning to express my limitations I was also kind of willing to put my foot down in the sense to say, like, I love myself. I can't do that to myself. If you can't respect that, that is not my fault. Mm-hmm. So it's it's having those boundaries and just understanding that if that person disappears, it's not because of you. It's because they can't handle just having a friendship and, and like, that doesn't rely on an outside factor mm-hmm. uh, because if it, if your friendship's only about what you can do together, then it's kind of superficial anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it was, it was really hard at first because there was a lot of people that I really cared about and they just didn't want to do things anymore. And it's, it's hard not to blame yourself because technically it's your chronic illness that's limiting you mm-hmm. but i've also found those other hobbies like as we were talking before it's just um i found a lot of things i'm interested in and like unapologetically so <laughs> i kind of like pushed myself into that and then by like knowing what i truly like and enjoy to do and be part of i i brought those people into into my circle too um because you have that common ground, but then obviously as friends talk about everything, truly, um, you just kind of peel away the crap and just get down to like the true human, the human, like who they are and like 
if you want to be friends with that person. And I, I just like, I appreciate my friendships so much more now because like I would do anything for those, that group mm-hmm. and they would do anything for me and they have, and they've sat in the hospital with me while I've argued about getting saline. And, like, oh, Jesus. The stupidest things, you know, and, and I would do the same for them if they asked me to. And I, I hate that they don't have to because I would love <laughs> to be able to be supportive. You know what I mean? You're like, like, I got this. You're like, you're like, stop giving me all the support. I want to support you. Can you go hurt yourself? For <laughs> go hurt yourself in a way nobody <laughs> understands. Can you just go break your foot and I'll sit in the hospital with you? We can even this out a bit. <laughs> I'll just like insist that they give you a cast immediately. <laughs> so, how do you like feeling like me? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. But, yeah. Look who's injured. And it's funny because like I've always like, even still like I have solid friendships and I still apologize for every little inconvenience, which apparently is more annoying than it is um, appreciated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's, it's hard, right? Like it's as much as I accept how I am, you still get moments. You're just like, this is stupid. And then because you don't want to deal with it, Mm -hmm. you kind of slough it off on other people. (laughs) I'm sorry that you have to deal with me like this. And they're just like, Sorry that you have to go through it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost like you make it its own thing. It's like, there's me, and then there's my chronic illness. Right. <laughs> and, and we're twins, but it... Just feels like a responsibility so. they don't have to have, that they're choosing to have to support you. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, is my friendship really that fun, guys? And it's Ooh. worth all of this other stuff? <laughs> I guess so. I must be bringing something to the table. Definitely. That so, yeah, it's just kind of working with your strengths and your enjoyments and just bringing people into that circle. Where they can share the strengths and enjoyments that you do have. Yeah, exactly. And if they don't enjoy those things, well, and like I've made friends that way too, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've just like, like, got random friends just because of bands I like and like that's our interest but then there was other things that we enjoyed about each other so um and since my like it started with something where it's like sitting at a concert well then I mean that's what we kind of expect (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would (laughs) I would say that my perspective on relationships is that they're strategies humans use to exchange getting needs met It's like we can't get all of our needs met on our own, especially as highly social animals. But there are frameworks of needs that you can look up. Um, One of the ones that is, I think, easiest um, is um, Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. Um, He he has a needs inventory and a feelings inventory that you can look up if you're struggling to express needs or feelings. And the nice thing about that is if you realize that you just can't meet certain needs for some people that's cool. You just aren't compatible in terms of friends or sex partners or, you know, intimate domestic partners, what have you. However, if you have all of these needs that you need, it's not like it has to be a symmetrical exchange. Like there's a lot of the time where you'll have a need for something that someone else really doesn't need or want at all. And there's just this really symbiotic trade that can happen where a person does a certain thing for you. And then maybe you give them a lot of your emotional labor and you help give them a little more emotional support when they need it um, for something totally unrelated. Maybe they're struggling with a, with a career thing. It's like, it doesn't have to be symmetrical. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good, um, yeah, I should definitely look that up. I'm full of resources. I may have to get you to send. I have to get you to send that to me. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I can definitely link them, link them to you after the session. Um, in fact, I'm currently working through something called the Assertiveness Workbook, which is written by I want to say Dr. Randy Patterson. I'm just guessing at the name, but the Assertiveness Workbook is all about finding a healthy way to express. Um, what your opinions or feelings are about a thing without needing to convince someone and without being in a position where you're worried someone's going to convince you otherwise. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's about like a neutral power dynamic in the way you exchange ideas. So it's not a, it's not about discussion as a way of like um, 
tempering the steel of your intellect or you know tempering your ideas it's it's about discussion as a free-flowing exchange of ideas it's it, it was a really different model from what i was used to up until the moments before i knew it existed <laughs> yeah no absolutely it sounds very interesting i've i've typically looked at discussion and exchange as like a clash of ideas where you you all bring up ideas and support your own ideas and the best ideas ideally will huh I see what I did there. Um, we'll we'll win out, and then people will come away from that um, gr- grown essentially in some way. But not everyone mm-hmm. likes that model. And outside of academia, um, sometimes the ability to go up to someone where there is a pre-existing power dynamic, like a doctor, for example, and neutralize that without having to be as knowledgeable as the doctor. Um, it's like choosing not to play the game the doctor's playing. And at the end of the day, the doctor still has the power. Like there still is a power dynamic there, but to be able to go and represent yourself indifferent to that power dynamic is truly a skill. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds super helpful. Yeah. I think I managed to get to a place where my doctor respects me and we're on really good footing where I feel like the rapport is good. The respect is good. And he'll listen when I speak, he'll offer me genuine support in a way that I find compelling and appreciative. I'm so grateful for my doctor in Richmond. Oh, that's awesome. And it's all because my doctor has good days and bad days. That's fair. It's honestly, it's, (laughs) it's all because I, I think anyways, he might've just been a great doctor and I didn't notice it up until the day where, um, I, um, I, he diagnosed me with um, Helicobacter pylori infection leading to ulceration, which, to be perfectly honest, I got treated for and I test negative for, but it's your tests are only able to test your upper GI tract, so it's altogether possible yeah. that I do actually have an ulcer in my colon, but, like, you know, my, my GE hasn't decided to do an endoscope yet, despite the pre-existing history, and I'm, like, looking at my medical sort of, like, history and profile, and I'm, like, I this is, just seems like a no-brainer to me. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, like, I, I, like, you've been through, like, yours all sounds like a lot of stuff I've gone through, and I've gotten a colonoscopy, and they didn't even want to scope me at all because they were worried about perforations. So, right. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they should scope you. <laughs> I don't know why they haven't. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so... Because there's actually, they can even at the same time book that they do an endoscope and then clock colonoscopy at the same time just to, like get it over with for you really and like they literally will yeah hopefully not the same camera maybe they wash it <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> i just had to say that oh no that that's great <laughs> that's great are you talking about the old ass to mouth as it were <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh but yeah like there's a few places that will will actually just do it all in one go <laughs> that's, um, and that's then they get a full, full idea <laughs> just look at your whole gastrointestinal tract it's you know it's so funny yeah. because like you said about losing the embarrassment like you get to that place where like wow any like quote-unquote normal or like person who hasn't had to deal with something really gross that's just so like egregiously painful or necessary that you can't not deal with it has has sort of got hasn't gone through that is probably like that is disgusting what are they talking about and like at a certain point and they're probably like i never want to go through that ever yeah absolutely right and then at a certain point you're just like yeah those people are definitely not going to listen to this episode (laughs) they're just not going to make it through like stop (laughs) um right like um we were talking about sorry go ahead uh now i totally spaced um I was I was gonna jump us back. Oh yeah, we, we, we were scoping because like I I actually got to watch it. Oh really? When I got blind. Yeah, I got to face the camera. Or oh, the that's right, because you were awake for your scope. So awake. <laughs> it doesn't sound pleasant. And yeah, it was definitely interesting. Like it doesn't sound pleasant. It's weird in there. At at the same time, I've done um, an inner body enema. I mean, not that there's any other kind, um, but where I could literally feel like, okay, that's filling up in my descending colon. Oh, I can feel it moving in my transverse colon. Okay, it's filling up my ascending colon. Okay, I'm feeling pressure on my ileocecal valve. <laughs> like, like literally, like my, I'm, my calibration for like what I'm feeling in my colon is, is good. I'm, I'm solid on that. Yeah. And it's like you try and talk to a GE about that and they're just like, there's no way you could possibly like, that's just not like, they just don't even, they aren't even going to confront you about it. Cause they just don't trust you. Like they don't believe that that's actually yeah. what you're experiencing. Oh. 
so crazy. But like when you've had enough intestinal distress and you've had to palpate and you've been like, oh, point tenderness, there's a pocket of something there. Like you just, you get to a point where you, those nerves just get attuned and like you wire to those nerves until you can, until you get really acquainted. Absolutely. Um, so the way I won the trust of my doctor was I got a Helicobacter pylori infection and my doctor misexplained what it was to me. And only because I'd done a science degree and had done an undergrad um, research project on Helicobacter pylori, I was able to politely and considerately like sort of like gently make a correction and be like, yeah, it's actually, it's not that it doesn't like acid. It's a, uh, um, I think it's a, Oh, wow. Now, now it's been too many years. What is it in? Um, it's not anaerobic. It's not aerobic. It's a micro aerophile. That's right. Um, and I was able to talk about why its ability to cleave urea, um, which is just like ambiently available in your digestive tract sometimes, most of the time, mm -hmm. um, to produce amine groups to neutralize your stomach acid. Like it, its ability to do that is how we test for it. Yeah. Because it's going to be releasing... With that awful, awful drink. <laughs> it's going to be releasing carbon dioxide because that's how your liver deaminates yeah. your blood. You take carbon dioxide and two amine groups and that makes urea. So when you cleave it apart, you get this basic mixture that will neutralize your stomach acid. So um, it was described to me as like, oh, it's this bacteria that really likes your stomach acid. And I was like, well, it likes being in your stomach. <laughs> not, not exactly <laughs> the same thing. That, fact, oh, isn't it great when you have to correct them and they're just like oh no uh well because yeah because like I've, I've had to do that test like more times than i can count and every time it's been negative and then i had to do the SIBO one as well what's which one also negative uh small intestinal bacterial overgrowth interesting so they like culture bacteria from your small intestine it's very similar to h pylori it's a breath test as well but it's a different serum that's so cool yeah that takes longer and it involves tubes. Like you breathe into like a little tiny tube with a straw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but that one came back negative too. So they don't know what's going on in my digestive tract, but sometimes I think it's just EDS. Like I think things wiggle and things get stuck. Right. I've learned that leafy greens are the enemy. I just, yeah, I can't even imagine what it would be like getting your intestines in a knot. Like that's lethal in so many animals that it's like yeah, like like I, i'm like so lucky like thankfully there's the you know um fascia between everything mm -hmm. like luckily even though it's still connective tissue so it's still kind of wiggly on me but it's somewhat there to keep my tubes all in line but like sometimes just where they are in my body isn't right right so like everybody shifts together if so it just can cause like weird if only Problems. there was like a billy shaped mold you could make where like you could Han Solo carbonite style get like pressed back into shape every night. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. I'm also just waiting for them to take my. Sorry, that um, was my phone. I've decided. <laughs> Sorry, I've decided that when they start figuring out how to replace people, I'm just gonna get my robot body, keep my eyes and my boobs, toss the rest. I love that you picked out like the two things you like most about your body, and they were your eyes and your tits. That's fantastic. Why not? Well, exactly. Why not? Like, why not pick the things you really enjoy about your body? Like everything else can go. I just keep that. That's fair. <laughs> I've got super blue eyes. I'm not throwing those out. Fair enough. Some people really like super blue eyes. I like them. That is important. Well, on myself. Something I'm out searching down. <laughs> You're not like eyes, trying to make know. Aryan babies, you mean? No, definitely not. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, is that Cliff has blue eyes. <laughs> that wasn't the goal. <laughs> the goal was not to find someone to make Aryan babies with. Fair enough. I don't want to spread EDS, so... Yeah, that's also that's fair. <laughs> I do not want to have to be the one that is like, don't worry, kids. Don't worry. I knew about it. Oh, could you imagine? The, if Yeah. I, I can't even imagine if my parents had known. It's one thing that you don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's another to be greedy and be like, no, I want genetic copies of me. <laughs> Therefore. There's lots of kids that can use homes. They don't have to come from my uterus. Definitely true. So 
talking about um, partners and things like that, do you feel comfortable talking about how it impacts your intimate relationship? Possibly. I don't know. Okay. Well, if you don't know, I'm just going to take that as a no, and that's totally okay. <laughs> My marriage is weird. That's okay. I think everyone's marriage is. Like, I don't know that there's a normal marriage. Yeah. I think there's just, like, the marriage everyone's told they should have, which is what everyone thinks normal is. And then there's what everyone actually gets, which is something a little different. Truth. Um, well, what about talking about how this has affected your relationship with um, your brother, for example? The fact that I annoyed him until he got a diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> aren't aren't sisters the best? <laughs> I'm I'm sure he's. Well, like the funny thing is, is like, right, well, you know, like we are so close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like I have never met another sibling pair that actually get along as well as we do. Yeah, you two are very similar. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And most siblings like. most siblings are looking for their points of difference because they don't like being told how similar they are. But you and Ray are like, yeah, we're pretty much the same person, but not. Like, he got the boy parts. I got the girl parts. Here we are. <laughs> sure. I'm sure there is fan fiction written about that. Well, it's so funny because <laughs> when we did 23 and Me, right. he went and like, we're like put like going through it and then we looked and we're actually 52 percent genetically the same and most siblings are around 49 like 48 49 those, so those three percent are super siblings like we're we're more genetically similar than would be expected unless we were like twins <laughs> and having the same dna sure so it's actually kind of interesting um, that we're kind of in that weird percentile, but then also like best friends. And it's like, I wonder if that has any play in it. I also and wonder. And then we were kind of discussing. I also wonder um, like how right. your, how your parents modeled their values and the way that they probably did that in a very non-gendered way. So that both of you picked up like that sort of super scholarly, super sciencey. Yeah. My parents were just like, do what you want kind of thing. Like if you want that toy, we'll if we can afford it, we'll get it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So like I played with a lot of boys toys and stuff when I was little more mostly boy clothes. Cause I, I wanted to be exactly like Ray. Mm -hmm. um, that was my life goal as a child. Uh, I looked up to him a lot. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of funny because like eventually like I started gravitating to wanting girl things mm -hmm. and my mom's like it's so funny how like even so young in kids how you can start picking up like who they're gonna be like billy's always gonna be a tomboy but like she's got a little bit of girly in there too <laughs> and, like stuff like that so it was really funny when we we're ray and i were little we used to actually if we were having friends over we would ask our mom to send our friends home so that we could play together <laughs> that's awesome We'd be like, we're done with these ones now. Can you get rid of them? <laughs> we just want to play with each other. <laughs> we literally, like, we'd get my mom to make up an excuse that these kids had to leave. <laughs> That's so awesome. Like, what a position. <laughs> like, my mom just being like, so, let me get this straight. You want me to send home friends that you brought over <laughs> so that you can play with your brother that you live with all the time. Okay, fine, fine, whatever, fine. I'll get rid of them. Like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but like, Ray was born an old man, which I think helps. Mm -hmm. um, he's always just been very responsible and kind of like older. Um, so when my mom brought me home, like, he was instantly interested by me, despite the fact that he asked her to return me because I was no fun. <laughs> um, the first little bit there he's like can you take her back to the hospital and my mom's like that's ah, not how this works <laughs> <laughs> just put her back can't do that either can't you just take a different baby <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a rough you know year before i started being mobile and exciting for him um but he always wanted to like he fed he was the one that fed me i wouldn't let my parents feed me um 
everything. Like I wanted him to do everything. He used to pat his leg and say, come on, baby. And I would like crawl behind him like a dog. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I, I like, I'm really lucky that I have that relationship because I have such like a role model, like guy in my life. Right. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then I get to, you know, be right sometimes. Like the fact that he has EDS as well. <laughs> how was how was that for you when you when he finally got his diagnosis? Sad and relieved. I don't know. It was like I was like, I knew it. Maybe he'll do something about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, shit. Like now we know for sure. Um, men are really lucky. Testosterone is a big helping hand like it it helps you build muscle and if you have muscle around your joints your joints aren't going to dislocate as much because there's going to be like i was telling you about trying to build that proprioception right is that i've taught my muscles to say hey we're here and now like but the thing is is that no matter what i'm always going to have female hormones so i'm always going to be fighting that muscle building aspect um there's actually been kind of like studies and, and look been trying to look in to see if there is a benefit to giving women with EDS high doses of testosterone mm-hmm. for like an eight week period to build muscle and then take it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully not having lasting effects. So like they're trying to figure out how that would be. Cause like obviously with someone who intends to stay, um, Femme. their gender yeah. would not rather like to grow facial hair and et cetera. So it'd be interesting to see if they can find a way to do that without not like lasting negative effects. Well, um, and it's, and it's some people use steroids, right? Sure. But we can't have the steroids break down connective tissue. Oh, right. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't just go get some black market anabolic and get this going. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, if you did take testosterone, you almost certainly would temporarily grow facial hair and body hair. You could always theoretically get it shaved or waxed off afterwards. Just epilate it. Oh, yeah. And you also have an epilator and you already know how to remove body hair. (laughs) But, yeah, like, it, it would just be interesting, too, because, like, there can be such mood changes. And especially, like, going from having just, like, female hormones to a super dose of male like would i get all ragey it's so interesting yeah like what would your sex drive do because testosterone regardless of who you are definitely affects sex drive oh yeah that could be interesting (laughs) you could be like cliff take the next week off work you got some work to do can't leave the bedroom (laughs) i will just i will just chain you here and release you to get food i'm strong now so i'll just beat you into submission (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that is that is such a great image but the image of you being like for the next eight weeks you're gonna be my bitch Oh my god, so I think I think for those oh, for those listening that don't understand, it might just be that you need to know Billy and and, just, and know that I'm not actually like that. <laughs> she's nothing like that whatsoever. Um, like, yeah. Um, no, oh, actually, something kind of funny I randomly thought of is that because you were saying lock you in the bedroom, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was think thinking about like. I, I know because I'm like sitting here and we're talking about you know like locking someone in a room for sex and then I just saw my wedge pillow and stuff like that <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> which I also use for sleeping for the record right. but like it's funny because um by having EDS I had to explain like even if I was with people people before my husband mm-hmm. is I give them a warning that things can dislocate when you're having sex right? because there's a lot of movement and position changes and whatnot. And I still remember the first time it happened. It's my hip did a full dislocation um, while someone was still inside of me. And so they felt the dislocation Mm -hmm. in a weird way. And it was such a traumatic moment for them. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh my god, I hurt you. Oh my god, I felt that. Oh my god, oh my god. And I'm just like, just keep going. I'll go back. I'm like, what? And I'm like, I'll go back in. <laughs> I've like, I've literally had that exact experience where I was having vaginal intercourse um, with a woman and her hip dislocated. And I was like, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, it's fine. Just like, just like, like kind of like, and she Move was- me this way. She, yeah, exactly. She was like, just kind of like thrust in this direction. I was like, okay. And then her hip went back in. She's like, okay, I'm good. We can keep yeah. going. It'll pop back in. Yeah, exactly. But she it's didn't like want to stop having sex. A little bit. Yeah, I know. Like, it, it, it's funny because it actually can help get it back in. Right. If you just like position change a little and then it'll pop back. But then you also have to be with a partner that's willing to have to feel that because apparently it's quite strange. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was definitely like, it felt like a dislocation. It definitely felt weird. But then again, yeah. I'm the kind of person that's like, oh, I can feel that in my ascending colon. So like, who am I to judge? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But apparently it was just quite a, quite a pop. I mean, it was just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Just pull my leg over this way. But yeah, for me, yeah, it, it's almost like you have to warn people. Like it won't, I will tell you if I'm hurt. <laughs> right. Right. Otherwise, Business as usual. <laughs> it definitely had a bit of a thunk to it that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And it was it was unexpected and it did disrupt sex in that it was obviously painful um, for the woman I was having sex with. Yeah. Because yeah. literally her hip just dislocated and I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, everything turned out good. In... But then apparently it can be used as a badge of honor later on. It's like, yeah, I dislocated a woman's hip during sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think injuring someone accidentally during sex should ever be a badge of honor, but I guess. I mean it. But it's funny because sometimes it was a, if my, if my hip was out for a long time, Sometimes I'd use it as a way to get it back in. Right, to be like, hey, you want to come have sex with me to pop my hip back in? It's just like, that sounds so clinical, but okay. Right, <laughs> like, like... I can't get in it on my own. I'm like, there's a little sex about it. <laughs> to be like, oh, I'm in so much pain. My hip is dislocated. I desperately need you to have sex with me right, right now. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But if you're somebody that's, with, that's used to your condition, then it's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> totally. If you're like, I know this is a thing that works for me. Cool. But yeah, it definitely makes, like, it, it's actually really cool. Like in that group I was talking about EDS life hacks is like people have posted some really cool stuff about like adaptive stuff for the bedroom. And it's just so interesting, like how far we've come in terms of like, just making it accessible and fun for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. for those who take part. Yeah. For those who want to take part. Totally. Yeah. Do you want to give so us some like, examples? Really um, like a lot of times, like wedge pillows just to support um, the hips mm -hmm. to prevent them from flipping. So like you would kind of be like on the edge of the wedge pillow. Um, yeah. And then like just a lot of times, Things where like your body is supported on the bed and the person can be standing up, for example. Um, but there's like a bunch of different things. Um, what was the thing that I saw? Like they've even I even saw ones where somebody posted like adaptive like vibrators, which is like a different handle, basically to make it easier to hold and stuff. So mm -hmm. even if you just want to have solo time or even together, it just makes it so much easier than hurting yourself to have fun right absolutely so it's really cool yeah there's so many things that they have now that's like even it probably would not work in this apartment but you know like even for somebody with eds a sex swing can be so helpful yeah you know sure. what I mean? it's because then they're just supported there and then just you get to have fun like so definitely i i love how open open the world has become and how much we're trying to adapt things to make things for everyone mm -hmm. like it a lot of times people act like once you're disabled or you have something wrong with you all of a sudden you stop having sex 
and like you're not a sexual person anymore because you're just a disabled person mm. and it's like no disabled people have a lot of sex too for <laughs> like, sure it's not just you um and yeah so it's really cool like people have even posted um different positions to use for like people with different instabilities and it's so cool it's just like that even someone took the time to put together an infographic to be like hey if you have this condition this could be helpful to you know like stand this way or use this just like use a chair to support your hips and like things like that it's just so there's so many different things now it's just amazing that's really awesome and i like that there's people that are open enough to share that with us too in that group mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's such a cool group like whether it's just experiencing pleasure and like just hedonistic, like I'm really enjoying the experience of being in my body. Everything feels so good. Or whether it's like the deeper connection you experience with a person or whether it's just like sexual expression is a part of your identity and being sexual is really important to you. Like regardless of what the, the important need that's being met is like, it's really valuable mm -hmm. and important for all people to have access to sex and plenty of disabled folks are obviously more than capable of having sex so why not yeah it's, it's kind of funny like that people have that opinion mm -hmm. well, a lot like, of people i have... don't know I've, I've had like weird questions and stuff before it's just like really like it's gonna come at me like that okay oh so you probably don't do this or this and stuff i don't know yeah i mean people say people the same thing think. people say the same thing about queer sex too anything that's non-normative sex they're just like oh how does it work like it's like the the two spoons that walk in and you know the knife is like so which one of you is the fork um <laughs> you know it's just like it's a very weird situation yeah. where you're just like that but we we don't Ugh. that isn't how you eat porridge in our house you know <laughs> you know what i mean it's like, <laughs> yeah it's so, st oh, so stupid. And just like the range of what human sexual expression is and how different it can be, even between heterosexual cis couples. Like there's so oh, much yeah. range of what people enjoy and want to do. And the notion that people are like, well, well, what do you mean you don't you don't like receiving fellatio? I'm like, yeah, even like if I'm with a, a femme partner. Yeah, like fellatio has just never been a thing my body's found particularly enjoyable, like ever. Um, and like most heterosexual men I talk to are just like, I don't understand how that's possible. I'm like, yeah, like I've dated plenty of people um, and some of them are just really, really into fellatio, like giving fellatio. And I'm like, well, we can do it for you, but like, it's not going to be for me. Um, and it, like that, that concept is so alien for someone who's extremely normative. And in the same way, it's like, it doesn't really matter what kind of heterosexual sex a heterosexual couple is happening having there's going to be plenty of heterosexual couples that will be like oh i wouldn't really like we could do that but i don't really want to do that and it's just like why not start having the sex you want to have and be with people you're compatible with yeah absolutely i'm like because i've always been like i'm the same as you like mm -hmm. i would rather not get cunnilingus mm -hmm. just i sit there and i think about it and i think it's weird for me i don't think it's weird for other people and i like i like I don't even care and you know the funny thing is is I would probably perform it but right I don't want it that that's <laughs> like, really interesting that you're like that you're like even though I am a married person um I would more I would more it would be more enjoyable for me to perform cunnilingus than to receive it yeah specifically married well, to my somebody husband knows I'm pansexual so. oh I see yeah yep yeah obviously monogamous but i still find women attractive and it was funny because at first it was kind of like a weird thing right because he was kind of like but we're married and i'm like yes and i think it was kind of finally being like saying to him when we got married did you stop finding other women attractive right and he was like no and i was like neither did i neither <laughs> <laughs> solid yeah so like just because i'm with a boy now i'm like honey like, I'm obviously not going to do anything now. But it doesn't. And the test is my past. And it doesn't erase. And the internet provides a lot of beautiful images. <laughs> sure it does. <laughs> That's, yeah, so definitely open about that. Yeah. And monogamy doesn't erase who you are as a person or as a sexual creature. It just means exactly. that you've made commitments to be exclusive, usually. Yeah. And even, like, 
I mean, mine is, but like other people don't. And that works for them. Like that's what I've never understood is the whole concept of forcing people into the exact box that you're into. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we appreciate that we're all different? Yeah. Don't they say variety is the spice of life or some stupid thing like that? They do. And it is, (laughs) it is definitely the spice in a lot of bedrooms. So like, I don't get it. I don't get it. You and me both. I just don't get it. Um, well, I feel like we've, we're pretty much there. We've kind of come full circle to the concept of like sex and relationships while disabled being like a awesome thing and it being about what you can do and there being a lot of things you can do. And even if the things you used to really love doing, if you can't do those anymore, it's worth it to take time for your feelings, to grieve, to have space for that. And also start trying new stuff. Like there's a whole world of possibility out there that you may never have considered before because you didn't have to, because you had a quote unquote better way of getting off. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it works for like everything when it comes to like sex. And then like, even saying with things that like even going out and doing things I enjoy, mm-hmm. like I've found so many things for just kind of delving deeper and just like, um, What was I going to say? Like, well, even like playing video games, like that never used to be a thing for me. Sure. Like I, I would never have bought like a Nintendo. <laughs> like, right. And just like now, like I love it. And I bought a bunch of games and like it's amusing. And I joined Facebook groups and I talked to people who also enjoy those games. So it's like, I wouldn't have done it before, but I love it now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank also, you. I'd just like to say, I know it's been a long time since we talked. Yes. And probably like forever since we hung out at Ray's graduation and stuff. But I really like you're growing so much as a person and it's so beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Like, I just remember, I know you were like a little one that hating the fat people train. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Back at Ray's grad. Uh, no, no, no. And that's fine. It's fine. Like Whatever. But like you've grown so much and it's awesome. Yeah, I definitely had issues with fat phobia. Honestly, I had a lot of racism and um, anti-indigeneity issues as well. Like there's just, there've been a lot of things that I've sort of spotted along the way and done work on. Yeah. Like your posts and stuff. Like it's so cool to see. Here's a really cool person. Oh, thank you. It's it's funny because it's it's hard to be proud of it when it's like when what you're looking at are the things that you used to re- that you now resent most about who you used to be. It's it's a weird space to take a compliment if that makes sense. Oh, sorry. No, no, you don't need to apologize. That's I just wanted to mention that. I really appreciate that. It's touching, and thank you for being able to give me that perspective. It means a lot. Obviously, I really liked you when you were friends with, well, you're still friends with Ray. But um, yeah, like I was always like kind of concerned just because Ray is so overweight. <laughs> and I was like, is this hurting him? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really considered how the sort of the sort of perspective that I had was harmful for Ray. I'd never really thought about that. I don't know if I was. I'm much more, more emotional than him. But. Well, I certainly appreciate you saying something. I'm really yeah, sorry. Like, like I... And then I've like seen like posts like recently where you're just like body positivity and stuff. And I'm like, yes, he's there. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to bring that up and to sort of like parse that out with me. Because it is something I'm not proud of. And it is something that I absolutely did used to believe and embody and it's something that i don't anymore well i'm really glad thanks because i know a lot of mine is my medication which is annoying as hell yeah there's there's always a reason you know and it's like also they're just people's bodies like just let people have the bodies that they are in because whether they want them or not they're the bodies they're in yeah. So like the last thing they need is oh, know, like, someone else's opinion on whether or not they should want what they have. I was like warned when I got put on Lyrica, they're like, you could gain up to 20 pounds. And I was like, cool. And what did I do? Gain 20 pounds. <laughs> <I was> like, 
<laughs> right. I was like, why did I have to get all of the side effects? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, you're most welcome. Oh my god, but uh, I get so sick of Gatorade so fast. Like, there's not a flavor anymore that I'm, like, excited to drink. Oh, I totally I agree. I have had to drink so many electrolyte drinks, but now I just resent them. No, I totally get it. I used to be excited to drink Gatorade, and I'm not anymore. Me too. It used to be a treat. Like I just, what I've done uh-huh. is I take the three powder flavors, the, like, whatever blue flavor, and then there's the lemon-lime, and then there's... I think it's blue raspberry and then lemon lime and then there's the orange and I'll instead of trying to rotate through them quickly which is what I used to do I used to be like oh I'll do one orange one lemon lime one blue I'm like no because then I just hate all of them I'm like no I'm just gonna drink exclusively orange for like a month and then when I loathe it I'll switch to lemon lime and be like for the first day be like this is so much nicer and then just eventually loathe that and by the time I'm done blue I'm ready to go back to orange yeah it's like you have to rotate them through like that's why like noon and stuff too Whereas, like, they're, as far as flavors go, theirs aren't overly sweet or anything. There's the watermelon one I really like because it's so mild that I almost don't notice it. Nice. Like, it's almost just like if I threw some ice cubes in there, I could have just been drinking water. Mm-hmm. So, it's so funny how much you crave regular water when you're not supposed to drink regular water. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> it's the worst. Like, I hate water, though. Why do I want water? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, because apparently my body knows that it has more electrolytes than it did before, and it's angry I'm trying to make it well. Sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it's just like, okay, I got one thing under control. Oh, another brick fell on somebody else. Damn it! It's like, you guys don't want me to be normal. <laughs> Can't patch all these holes. Totally. All right, we'll get all fluided up. Thank you so much for the chat, and we'll do it again sometime if you will have me. Sounds great. I certainly will. Thank you again for all of your time. Yeah, thank you. So how was it, Intimates? Did you love something you heard, or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon, where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on IntimatePodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.